0: Okay, what did I say? Oh, we're going through a, a topical study of proverbs, and um, what I'm sharing with you is what was shared with me years and years and years ago. In Proverbs chapter two, verses one through nine, this is a wonderful outline uh, that just uh, blessed uh, my socks off, and I hope it's uh, the same with you as well. But here in Proverbs chapter one, verses uh, chapter two, verses one through nine, we read. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto, my, unto wisdom and apply thine heart's understanding... Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lift up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment, and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment, Judgment and equity, yea, every good path. So, right there is giving you an outline on how to obtain the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding that God has for each and every one of His uh, people. And so, um, I'm going through this outline in our study on the on the landmarks of, uh, of the pathway of life. And if you remember, the very first issue that we had to deal with was my son. Are you his son? Because if you're not saved, if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you, then really what is contained in the Holy Scriptures, you may be able to understand it mentally. You may be able to see some of the wisdom in it. But for it to truly benefit you, you have to be a child of God. You have to have uh, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. And that comes with, uh, with salvation. Salvation. So the very first issue is very simple, is are you his son? Is Jesus Christ truly your personal savior? Is he truly your personal savior? and as we considered uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 if you are a child of God then you've been blessed because you've received the mind of Christ that is you've received the Holy Spirit of God that gives you that spiritual discernment that the natural man who operates off of his senses does not have but if we've got the Spirit of God within us and we've been blessed with that uh, spiritual discernment and able to understand what it is is that God is saying to us uh, and w- what he has for us in his word. So that's, very, that's a very fir- uh, first thing that you have to settle. Am I his son? Am I a child of God through salvation? That deals with his um, saviorhood. Uh, I don't know if that's a word or not. Maybe I just coined it. But that deals with him being your Savior. Now the next uh, point that we're going to look at is seen right here in uh, verse 1, Proverbs 2.1. It says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words. So the first, my son, is he your Savior? The second deals with him being your Lord. Your Lord. Okay? And so um, what we're dealing with here, what the question is, that the next issue of heart that we need to deal with is, is this is what is your judgment on God's word? What is your judgment on God's word? Now I purposely chose the word judgment. Because it is a very strong word. It's a very strong word, and it addresses the hard attitude that we have as far as God's word is concerned. I mean, we make judgments on a lot of things in life. Whether we'd like to admit to it or not, we do. We make a lot of judgments on things in life, and... What is your judgment on God's word? Now notice the word if here in this verse. If you, if thou wilt receive my words. And the words if presents to us a condition to be met. Right? And that condition is seen in the word receive. It's seen in the word receive. If thou wilt receive. That word receive talks about a decision... Based upon your judgment on God's word. Right? My word. If thou wilt receive my word. God's word to you in his holy word. And here's the reality that we all have to, have to face. In regards to God's word. First Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul writes... And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. Uh, The word carnal is speaking to believers. Because that's what Paul already said of these guys and gals in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. These are believers. These are people who are saved. These are people who have this first issue settled. They've got the Spirit of God dwelling within them. But there's an issue here with these folks, and that is they are carnal. In other words, they are operating under the control of which nature. The new nature or the old nature? It's the old nature, isn't it? It's that old nature we looked at in our last lesson. It's that sensual nature that operates under the influence of that old fallen wisdom that is sensual and earthly and devilish. It's that old sensual nature that they're operating from. And let me tell you something, you know, we have operated in that old nature for so long that it's really easy to slip into that well worn, raggedy, smelly old shoe and walk in it, isn't it? There's nothing like a good pair of comfortable shoes. It doesn't matter how beat up and scuffed they are, but it just feels good to walk around in old scuffy shoes. And that's the way we are a lot of times with our old sensual nature. We're just comfortable there. And it's so easy to fall back into that. You see, the natural man has been calling the shots in our life for so long that sometimes we find ourselves operating under its influence and not even aware of it, are we? We're not even aware of it because we think that's just the natural way to go. We ignore God's word in making decisions. We, we do things without God's input in, in our life concerning the issues of the heart. Uh, like Proverbs 3.5, we lean more on our own understanding rather than we do on God's word. and it's th- And that's the whole reason why we find ourselves in the fixes we find ourselves in. Because we're walking in that old, sensual nature. Because it's just such a easy thing, natural thing to do. Now some of us, I believe, are aware of this. Some of us are aware of this. Now we may not say verbally out loud, well, I'm just walking in the old nature today. Right? But we do. And what do we try to do? We try to cover it up. We try to put a little cloak of sanctity around ourselves and we say all the right things, but we know on the inside it's a different story. It's a different story. And um, when you're walking like that, you're passing judgment on God's word in essence, what you're saying if you're walking in that central nature is that God's word is foolishness it doesn't apply I'm somehow exempt it might apply for so and so but in my case, I've got a special case here you see, we've become so accustomed to calling the shots in life that it makes perfect sense for us to continue doing so in spite of our salvation in spite of being born again in spite of being new creatures in Christ and we ignore scriptures like 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 what? know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is within you which we have of God and ye are not your own for ye are bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's oops, I kind of forgot about that But yet that's the crucial heart attitude that we all have to deal with on a daily basis. If we truly desire to benefit from God's wisdom and God's knowledge and God's understanding, then we need to answer this question. What is my judgment on God's word? What is my judgment on God's word? Do I receive... And the word of God for what it is. The word of God. Well, duh. I believe it's God's word. You know? I, I believe it's God's word. I know it's God's Word. Yeah, I I acknowledge that it's God's word. But there's more to the receiving of God's Word than simply acknowledging that it's God's Word. You know, you can acknowledge <coughs> that it's God's Word, and that's a right thing, that's a good thing. But receiving God's Word for what it is, God's Word, right? his authority authoritative word for your life in all matters of life, from cradle to grave in good times and in bad times in sickness and health in times of prosperity in times of power, poverty in times of joy and times of grief in matters of finances and matters of careers and matters of r- marriage in matters of raising children in matters of work and matters of play in matters of entertainment in ma- in matters of every area of your life what is your judgment on God's word now I ask the question what is your judgment on God's word let me ask you another question what is God's judgment on his word What is God's judgment on His word? Huh? It's always right. Sure, it's always right because God's always right. It's magnified above His name. There you go, Ron. That's exactly what it is. He gets a gold star. He's the. Psalms 138 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. We're all into that, aren't we? But then the verse closes out For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now that throws some sand in the middle, doesn't it? To seriously consider what this says about God's judgment on his word, it's not his opinion. That's his judgment on his word. Which makes the majority of God's people's estimation of God's word pale in comparison. The word magnify means to make great, become great, and do great things. And all of this was accomplished in guess who... The living word, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not only our Savior, but he is also our Lord. And that's the sticking point with a lot of us. Oh, we're all about him being our Savior, and we rejoice in him being our Savior. But when it comes down to the issue of his being our Lord, it's like we put the brakes on. John 5, 22, Jesus says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Again, we circle right back to the relational issue between you and me and God you see when I succumb to the sensual aspect of my being the natural man and the carnal mind I'm not walking in accordance to God's word and by my life by my words by my actions in essence I am putting judgment I am making a judgment on God's word Romans 8, 5 through 7 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That word mind means to savor, to delight in, to be in harmony with. So when we're walking in the flesh, are we in harmony with God's word? But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And you can interject or imply there, when we're walking after the Spirit, then we are in harmony, right, with God's Word. He says here in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death. Whatever you're doing in that sensual fallen nature is going to fail. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I don't know about you guys but when I'm walking in the spirit in accordance to God's word that's when I am really at peace and that's when I really experience joy in this life in spite of the circumstances because the carnal mind is enmity against God it's opposed to God's word And in your opposition, are you not placing judgment on God's word? Sure you are. You're saying, it doesn't apply to me. I don't have to obey it. It it applies to so-and-so, but not me. Not me. You see, if we fail to magnify God's word above our own name, boys and girls, then we don't make it great so it can become great and do great things in our life. That's what we want, isn't it? But when we succumb to the natural, central man, then what wisdom are we operating by? Remember, we studied about the two wisdoms. The central, natural, and the central, earthly, devilish wisdom. That's the only other wisdom there is other than God's Word. First, lesson, first, <laughs> first Thessalonians 2.13 Paul writes to this church, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe the Bible is not a collection of men's words to be accepted or rejected according to one's fancy or one's mood or one's attitude or one's opinion whether you agree with it or disagree with it it doesn't change the fact that it is God's word That's when everybody says amen. Okay. <laughs> all of it. Not just some of it. Second uh, second 2 Timothy 3:16 All scripture, all scripture, one more time, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. All of it is inspired by God. God breathed words. That's what, that's what inspired means. God breathed it out into the hearts of holy men chosen by God who wrote it down faithfully because they were moved by the Holy Ghost like, like the wind filling the sa- uh, sails of a ship and they faithfully recorded God's word according to 2 Peter one twenty one. that's what we have that's what we have Notice again what Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He says, ye received it. Not as the words of men, but implied, received it as it is in truth, the word of God. You know, there was a time when each of us did just that. I'm going to put you on the spot. Raise your hand if you know for certain you're saved. Okay, good. There was a time that you received the authority of God's word to answer this question. What must I do to be saved? We received the authority of God's word when it said that all have fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death and that if you die in your sin, guess where you're going to go. We all received that authority, didn't we? We all did. We also gladly received the authority of God's Word when it told us how to be saved by grace through faith. That if you will uh, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. We all gladly received the authority of God in that regard, didn't we? Without question, we trusted completely in what God had to say on the matter. We knew that that God's word was the authority in the matter of our salvation, and we received it. Now, let me ask you a question: Is that where the authority of God's word ended for us? That's not even correct. I know that, but it's true. Okay. (laughs) The answer is no. But to answer you, yes, we behave as though it did end there. That's the problem. That's the problem. No, God's word, God's authority did not end when we became saved even though we may behave that way or have the opinion of that. It's still God's word in spite of what we say or do. It's still our authority whether we like it or not. It's still God's word. See, a lot of us say well, God's Word is good enough to get me out of hell, but God's Word is not good enough to help me live this life on earth. Am I right or am I wrong? We've all been there. We've all been there. See, we, bet- we betray our judgment on God's Word... When we show our lack of esteem for God's Word, and we kind of treat God's Word like a buffet at Golden Corral. And we choose from God's Word what is palatable to our sensual, fallen nature. You know, I'll, I'll go along with this. That looks pretty good. You know, that's, that's dessert. But boy, this, this meaty stuff here, I don't know if I'm ready to chew on that. That's why I said in the beginning about our judgment on God's word. It's more than simply acknowledging it, it's more than simply believing it. Are you receiving it? Is it ending up inside your heart? Romans 12:1 says, "I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice." wholly acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God the heart attitude is key here the only way that that transformation and renewing of the mind is going to take place is, a, is a, unless you offer yourself a living sacrifice, unless you die to self to live unto Christ. The natural man, the sensual man, won't do that he won't do that but we're no longer that natural man we're a new man in Christ we're a new man in Christ one of the passages or verses I turn to often is found in Psalms 86 11. it says teach me thy way O Lord I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Teach me thy way, O Lord. That's a request. That's a desire. I will walk in thy truth. That's a choice. That's a decision. You see, a lot of us like to be taught God's word, but when it comes to... Choosing to live that word that's why he goes on and he asks unite my heart to fear thy name he recognizes the need he needs a united heart you see so many of us have a divided heart because we haven't exercised our heart in receiving God's word for what it is his authority in our life That's why our hearts are divided. That's why we struggle so often with the things that we struggle on. We want to know it. We want to quote it. We want to wow our friends with our knowledge of it. We even want to stump the chump teacher by asking him or her our clever questions. Okay, I don't mind questions. I'm just saying there's some folks out there that are like that. We'll choose to study all of the interesting, juicy doctrines, right? Just like a smorgasbord. We'll choose all of the choice little tasty doctrines. We'll even go as far as imposing its authority on other people's lives. But for some reason we think we're exempt Is that receiving God's Word? The psalmist prays, Unite my heart. The psalmist was sharp enough to see the flaw in this whole system. It wasn't God's Word. We're the flaw, we're the weak link. He realizes that. We need singleness of heart. That means no pretense, no hypocrisy. That means we don't play games. That means we don't fake it until we make it. We receive God's word for what it is. Even when it's uncomfortable. You ever been there? When it's uncomfortable to receive God's word? even when it's uncomfortable you see we need to be transparent we need to be open we need to be vulnerable that's the only way you're going to grow you play the game you're not honest You're insincere. Yeah, you'll get a lot of head knowledge. But you won't grow. You won't grow. You'll be stunted. You'll be a dwarf. A spiritual dwarf. And you don't want to be that. You want to mature. Full stature. I think that's what um, Ephesians 3 or four talks about. You know, a lot of people are afraid of vulnerability. They they think it's a sign of weakness. Uh, they feel defenseless. They don't like having the reality of what is going on inside revealed. That's a snare. That's a trap that's pride that's what it is Proverbs sixteen eighteen says pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall you know God isn't looking for super saints oh you can impress people with being a super saint a super saint is one of those guys that you know they, put, they have this persona of they got it all together and they don't Now what God is looking for is sincerity in his saints. He's looking for hearts that are contrite and sensitive and willing to receive God's word even when it's uncomfortable to do so. So many of us get our nose out of joint. Wouldn't that be wild to see that literally take place? as the pastor is preaching and somebody's nose and all of a sudden it goes off to the left Psalms 51.6 says behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom God could care less what you look like on the outside what he cares about is what's going on in here Let me go back to this passage, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. And here's here's what I want to focus on, that the man of God may be perfect throughly, T-H-R-O-U-G-H-L-Y, throughly furnished unto all good works. Now, if you go to dictionaries and your modern commentaries and you go to your modern translations, you're going to discover that they have re-spelled that word throughly to thoroughly. And there's a big difference. Big difference. Uh, The King James gang got it right. Sometimes they they don't even put the word thoroughly in there, they'll put the word in there proficient or the word capable or some other synonym but they're completely missing it they're completely missing it when they do that when they're changing the word of God like that you know what they're doing? they're passing judgment on God's word and they're elevating their own intellect above God's word which spelling was the correct one? T H R O U G H L Y. We both have the U version. We both have the King James version, and mine's the way you said, and his is the way the other. The others say. Bible is thoroughly, and then like I, have had this since I got you know two thousand two, and it's it's thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me explain the importance of of the Word of God. Yeah. Okay. Um. If you want to know how a word is defined, you go to the Bible. The Bible defines itself. In Psalms 51 and verse 2, in the King James Version, as it is correctly put, he says, Wash me throughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Where does Jesus tell us that evil originates from? Anybody? Where does Jesus tell us that evil in us originates from? The heart. There you go. Matthew 5.19 For out of the heart precede evil thoughts alright to wash thoroughly is, the only, is the only to wash the outside alright when you thoroughly wash your car you're washing the outside of your car if you are to thoroughly wash your car it's the inside out it's the inside out This is what the psalmist is praying for. He's not not asking for a ceremonial cleansing of the washing of the flesh that the Jews did. He's wanting a cleansing from the inside out. He's wanting a throughly cleansing from his sin. In fact, the Hebrew word here translated into the English throughly means to completely saturate. Like you would a sponge. That sponge becomes saturated. It becomes sopped with water. So, what he's asking for is a complete saturation of cleansing from the inside out because he knows that's where the real problem is. Not this ceremonial cleansing that the Pharisees did. But the cleansing from the inside, a complete saturation, a, pre, a complete cleansing from the inside. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7.1. He says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, he says, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh, the influences of the natural man concerning the passions of the body and spirit. Where is your spirit? Inside. Inside. This superficiality of spirituality was an issue that Jesus had with the Pharisees. Do you remember how he described the Pharisees? He says, You guys clean the cup on the outside, but on the inside, full of corruption. Is their cup truly cleansed? No. The outside of the cup is, but not the inside. Another use of this word throughly is found in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 3, this is when they're building the Tower of Babel. It says, and they said one to another, Go to let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. A half-baked brick is no good, is it? I mean, it may be hard on the outside, but you put that brick under pressure, what's going to happen? Think about that for a minute in your own life. See, if not—if nothing's going on in here, you're going to crack under the pressure. In a kiln, conduction of heat moves from the inside to the outside of the kiln. And when the brick is inside it, it, the heat is from the outside to the inside of the brick. Conduction, 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 conduction is the chief mechanism in, in perfecting that brick and getting the ten, uh, temperature uniformly distributed throughout the kiln so that, it can, so that the heat can get inside the brick and then make the brick hard. The reaching of the right temperature of the kiln, you know what the technical term for that is called? Soaking the kiln. Soaking the kiln. Reaching that temperature from the inside out. Jeremiah 29, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. Remember the guys on the way to Emmaus, Luke 24, 32, and they said uh, one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us? That's that reaching of temperature, being soaked in the kiln of God's word it's an, it's an operation from the inside out that's the importance of the words in your bible just as a kiln with the, with the bricks the heat moves from the outside in to heat up the inside out that's the same effect that God's word is to have upon our own hearts Proverbs 17, 13, uh, 3 says, The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. That's the purpose of trials. The purpose of trials is to get us up to the spiritual temperature so that Christ can use us in building his church. I'm going to share a little personal testimony where I find myself in the kiln. There was a man, back years ago in my life, um, extremely prideful. This man was very intellectual. In fact, he became a professor of one of the Missouri uh, colleges here. Very intellectual. Very, very smart, but very proud about it it didn't matter if his life was a personal wreck because it was but he thought he was the expert in the word of God because he read a couple of commentaries and because he went to a few seminaries You know, he came back thinking he knew all there was to need to know in essence he was a half-baked brick he was very hard on the outside but imperfect on the inside and he became intolerable He was self-righteous, he was condemning, he was judgmental, he was critical of his brothers in Christ. And uh, because I carpooled with the man, I became his main target. His main target. And he would take pleasure in publicly ridiculing me, because I was just a brand new believer. I was, you know, trying to figure things out. And I'd show my ignorance of certain things, and he was really quick to, you know get on at and you know he had this ability to just make people feel stupid I don't know if you've been around anybody like that but it's very uncomfortable very uncomfortable and I'll, I'll confess I'll openly confess that I came to the place in my heart where I absolutely despised this man <laughs> and I'll even go as far as to say that I hated this man I mean I hated him I don't know if you've ever been in that place have you ever been in a place where you hate I mean hate somebody well that's where I was I was so full of hatred for this man that I was beside myself I was, I was beside myself I didn't know what to do I knew it wasn't a good place for me to be I didn't know what to do but uh, I had a good dear friend of mine so I went to him, and I just puked all over him. Oh, this guy, and and I just I just went on expressing my hatred for this man, and he patiently listened to me go on and on and on, and then after I got done, and I'm sitting there red face and huffing and puffing, <laughs> he opens up his Bible and he. Flips through the pages and then he turns it to me and he puts his finger on a passage and he says, Read this. <coughs> Ephesians 4 31 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I did not want to read that I did not want to read it boy howdy I did not want to read that every fiber in my carnal being was passing judgment on that passage so I went away and said okay Lord and I dumped on him just like I dumped on my friend and I said, Lord every fiber of my being is opposed to what you're telling me here but I got to obey it and you're going to have to help me obey it you're going to have to give me the strength to obey it you're going to have to fill me with your spirit and, and help me obey it and he did and I drove to this man's house and I confessed to him my hatred for him and why I hated him and then I told him that I completely forgive him and that I love him in the Lord and that I apologize for my attitude and behavior because and, I wasn't very nice to him either God put me through the kiln and I didn't come out half-baked <laughs> I'm getting to that No, it didn't change him. He was a little more careful, but he was still arrogant. He was still prideful, and here's the tragedy. He remained that way until the months before his death when he found out that he had lung cancer. And then he gathered all of his family because he was the same way toward his family. He gathered all of his family and all of the friends that he could get a hold of, and he apologized to each and every one of them and told them I was wrong. I was arrogant, I was prideful that's not the way to live your life don't live your life like I live my life and then he died but here's the thing the issue wasn't his heart was it? see, I don't have power to change anybody's heart and even though this may be hard for you to receive neither do you the only heart that I have any influence over is my own. And that was really the issue with me. My own heart. Because that man will be answerable to the Lord for his own heart. And you and I will be answerable to the Lord for our own hearts. And that's where, that's where it's all come down to. Right here. Right here. Are you going to receive God's word for what it is? Or are you going to walk around like some half-baked brick that's going to crack under the pressure? That's the difference between receiving and acknowledging. You let the heat get on the inside. And you let the heat do its perfect work. That's receiving God's word. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you now, Lord, for your word and its penetrating truth. I pray, Father in heaven, that it would just stain us, perfect us, complete us. And oh, Lord, that we would receive it for what it is truly, your word. Help us, oh God, in that matter. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.